With the first week of padded practices around the corner, we look at bang for your buck picks who can turn into league winners on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. everyone and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here on The Athletic. It is Wednesday, August 12th, getting ever closer to real padded practices, which makes us feel like we're getting ever closer to real football. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing this morning? Doing great, Beller. Happy to be rolling through another one of these episodes with you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Of course, Tuesday had some bad news in the football world with the postponement of college football seasons in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, sure to have some downstream impacts on uh, the rest of college football and likely on the NFL as well. Bad news there, certainly, and hoping that uh, everything can get right for us in the professional football world. No huge news uh, to report from Tuesday. Trey Waynes, defensive back for the Bengals, uh, did suffer a torn pectoral, so that could be something worth watching, worth thinking about when you are looking uh, at teams going up against the Bengals. Uh, Maybe we're a laugher of a team last year, but definitely good reason to believe they can bounce back this year. And one thing that they did have strong coming into the season was that defensive backs group, so maybe that does weaken it just a bit with the injury to Trey Waynes. Since we have no other news and no real expectation of any major news uh, for the rest of this week, we thought we would focus on a group of players that we think could ultimately become league winners. Every single year, we have guys who are drafted. We're not talking waiver wire guys. We're not talking late round dart throws. We're talking about guys who are drafted in the mid or late mid rounds uh, who ultimately end up playing like you know top 10 players, top 12 players at their own position. And the fact that you were able to get player X in the 10th round or the 12th round or the 8th round or the 14th round. I don't know why I'm sticking with even numbers. Whatever it might be, (laughs) wherever you were able to get them, they ended up being the key to you winning your championship. We see it at every single position. Uh, 2019, just as an example, we had Lamar Jackson, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup, Devontae Parker, Darren Waller. 2018, Patrick Mahomes, Nick Chubb, James White, Juju Smith-Schuster, George Kittle. This happens every single year at every single position. So DVR and I are going to try to find guys like that at those positions over our next few episodes of Fantasy Football in 15. We are going to group quarterbacks and tight ends here. On today's episode, DVR, let's start with the quarterback position. Who do you got your eye on? Daniel Jones is a guy that I like kind of in the cluster of mid-round quarterbacks. And I think the thing that makes him stand out a little bit is that he runs a lot more than the Brady, Breeze, Stafford, Rodgers, even at this stage of his career. Daniel Jones runs more than all of those guys. So I think that just bumps up the week-to-week scoring floor. And the more I look at the Giants' offense, Beller, the more I actually like it. I think Golden Tate is just an underrated all-around player. Sterling Shepard's finally healthy. He's had all sorts of problems with his hands in recent years. Darius Slayton, I think, showed some interesting things last year. Even if he's their number three receiver, that's one more option, of course, in the passing game. And Evan Ingram is solid as well. So I think they run four deep in that group of receivers and tight ends with quality playmakers. Of course, they've got Saquon Barkley in the backfield. And I think... It's a situation where I'm not looking at the Giants as a team that's going to have a a lockdown defense. So I think volume week in and week out is going to be pretty safe for Daniel Jones as well. You know, a lot of times we see quarterbacks enter the league, the offense gets a little bit watered down, or at least plays are called in a way where they air it out a lot less than they will at their peak. So I think in year two, Jason Garrett's offense, they might open things up a little bit more for Jones. 
I think that efficiency number we saw last year, that 6.6 YPA, is the lowest we're ever going to see from him. Nowhere to go but up when you start that low. The key is just taking care of the football. If he's able to avoid turnovers, I think Daniel Jones can take a massive step forward in year two. And I think the supporting cast is a big part of it because you mentioned all those pass catchers, and I didn't even mention Saquon Barkley yet. You have an extremely capable pass-catching running back who can also help pile up yardage on those short and intermediate routes as well. So if this group stays healthy around Daniel Jones, we're talking about a young quarterback behind an improving offensive line. Love the selection of Andrew Thomas to fortify the left side. And you've got four to five really nice options for him to lean on in the passing game. I'm all in on Daniel Jones at the price. Yeah, the price is not bad, and it's right in line with where we saw Mahomes going two years ago and Lamar Jackson going last year. He's the QB 14 by ADP right now, early hundreds, so you're really not going to have to use too premium of a pick to get him, but definitely could be someone who continues that pattern, who continues the Mahomes-Lamar pattern. You mentioned the rushing 279 yards and two touchdowns in 12 starts, and how many of those starts did he have all those guys available to him? Golden Tate dealt with his injuries. Uh, Sterling Shepard, again, had his injuries injury issues. Darius Slayton didn't really come on until those injuries happened. Evan Ingram was in and out of the lineup for the Giants all year last year, so a return to health for those pass catchers could be huge for Daniel Jones. I mean, week one of this year could be the first time in his career that he plays with all of those guys available to him, and if he gets them for the bulk of this season, uh, combines that with him being in his second year, everything he does on the ground, definitely could be one of those guys who goes from the QB 14-15 range and ends up playing like a top you know, 6-7 quarterback. So I think he's a good call. For me, I'm going back to one of last year's guys, someone who we thought was maybe going to do this last year. I'm going back to the well with Baker Mayfield. Everything went wrong in Cleveland last season. I believe it had a lot to do with Freddie Kitchens and with that offensive line. The Browns addressed both of those uh, issues this season, bringing in Kevin Stefanski as the head coach, using a high first-round draft pick on Jedrick Wills, signing Jack Conklin, who has been one of the best tackles in the NFL for almost a decade now. This is a team, I think, that addressed its two primary offensive weaknesses. And with those two things addressed, now Baker Mayfield and the skill position players that they had already assembled before last year can really flourish. Let's remember, we were excited about this Browns offense last year for a good reason. It wasn't just because we wanted the Browns to finally be good again. We thought that this team could really be good because of Baker in year two, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. All those guys are still there. Some of those guys played very well last year. Then you add Austin Hooper into that mix. Everything is in place, and no one can do it if they're not getting protected by their offensive line. That's just the bottom line. Every single team could fall apart. You could take a Pro Bowl offense and throw five of the ten worst offensive linemen in front of them, and that Pro Bowl offense is going to have some serious issues. The Browns do not have those offensive line weaknesses that they had last season. Those two anchors on either side of the line, I think are going to change everything. Kevin Stefanski has proven himself to be a very capable leader of an offense, and I think you're going to see that uh, really redound to Baker's Baker's benefit this season. It is going to be, I think, a big year in Cleveland, and this is the year where Baker Mayfield has the year that we expect him to have last year. And I think after this year, going forward, we are talking about Baker Mayfield regularly. Maybe not as a top three or four quarterback, just because the competition for that is so hot these days, but definitely, as a no doubt about it, QB1 top 10 guy for years to come. Yeah, I still believe in the talent as well, and he's just surrounded by 
plenty of great weapons. So I think the reasons we liked Mayfield going into 2019 should still be near the front of our minds here in 2020. I think you made a strong case for him. I think the the general philosophy I have at the quarterback position this year is to try and get one growth guy, whether it be Jones or Mayfield, and then get that floor guy that I can alternate with them. Because if I'm not going to draft one of the first five or six quarterbacks off the board, I have to draft two. I'm going to be playing the matchups week in and week out. And I think the order of, of how I draft them might vary depending on how the room plays. But I'm going to have one high ceiling guy that hasn't been there yet and one very stable veteran. So a Breeze, a Roethlisberger, a Rodgers, one of those guys will always be the fallback sort of option. I, I love the depth of the quarterback position this year. Uh, it's the main reason why I advocate playing in super flex leagues, but in single quarterback leagues especially, I think it's really easy to take a chance on one guy and to get a really nice floor with the second one. Yeah, I will caveat this with one more thing before we move on to tight end. The last two guys did break the mold a little bit. You're not going to have a Patrick Mahomes, a legitimate, you know, maybe could retire as the best quarterback we've ever seen in our lives. I mean, that could really be in Patrick Mahomes' realistic range of career outcomes. That guy's not going to come around every year. Then you're not going to have a guy the very next year, like Lamar Jackson, who is unlike anything we've seen at the quarterback position since, what, like Michael Vick at the very least? I mean, you're just not going to have two guys like that in back to back years. So there is a little bit of square peg in a round hole that we're doing here at the quarterback position, but the fact remains we are going to see someone from the QB 13 to QB 20 range who ends up giving you a top 10 season. Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield are the candidates that we throw at you here today. How about the tight end position, Derek? Again, George Kittle two years ago. Last year it was Darren Waller. We see these guys year after year after year. A tight end with all the athleticism at the position these days ends up getting in the right position, getting more looks in his offense, and having a big breakout season. I think there are a lot of candidates at the position this year. I know who you're going with. It's one of my favorite guys. Uh, tell the listeners who you got and why. Yeah, I like TJ Hawkinson. I think most projections have him kind of getting into the range, maybe being a 60-catch guy this year. Should be pretty heavily involved in the red zone. I think one key here is that Kenny Galladay is going to draw so much attention from opposing defenses that Hawkinson should draw plenty of mismatches, especially in close, where you get those valuable targets. You know, Marvin Jones, I think, still has something left in the tank. But as I think about the, the Lions offense as a whole, it should be one of the higher-volume passing attacks in the league. And I think we saw... Matthew Stafford playing at a very high level before injury cut his season short a year ago. Uh, if you prorate what he was doing in the first half of last year over a full season, you're talking about a guy that may have had a shot at 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. I think we've been pretty heavy with our praise on Matthew Stafford to this point. So really, I'm looking at Hawkinson as the guy who's probably third in this offense. You know, Danny Amendola, just kind of a slot guy. Uh, I know we watched a lot of Quintez Cephas at Wisconsin. Maybe eventually he becomes the number three in the group of wide receivers. But I think behind Galladay and Marvin Jones, Hawkinson is absolutely the next guy up. Uh, flashed some interesting skills really early last year. Had the big game against Arizona in week one. I think at the time we didn't realize how bad that Arizona defense was and especially how much they were going to struggle to cover, cover tight ends. But he showed us with, with opportunities, get nine targets in that game, turned that into six catches, 131 yards and a score. He can cash in, and I think his role ticks up from being more of like a three or four target per game guy to probably a consistent sixth, possibly seven target per game guy in some matchups this season. So I'm all over TJ Hawkinson. The Lions invested a ton in him as the eighth overall pick just a year ago, so they're going to try and justify that and make sure that he's getting a heavy role in this offense in year two. 
Our coworker, Jake Seeley, did this same exercise in written form probably about a month or six weeks ago now, and Hawkinson was his guy at the tight end position. The next great tight end, the next big breakout fantasy tight end, he's got TJ Hawkinson for a lot of the same reasons that you listed. You could do a hell of a lot worse than backing an Iowa tight end. We've seen these guys going back to Dallas Dallas Clark. I was going to say Dallas Green, getting my sports mixed up, (laughs) going back to Dallas Clark uh, as a, a, a university that has always produced good tight ends. He's got a teammate in the league in Noah Fant who could fit this discussion as well. So TJ Hawkinson, definitely a good candidate. I am going to go away from uh, from Noah Fant. I'm going to go away from Mike Gesicki, who both you and I like, but I think both of them are just a little bit too high priced to really fit this discussion the way that we're talking about it. You know, George Kittle, Darren Waller, those guys were taken nowhere near where Noah Fant, Mike Gesicki are getting taken this year. So I'm going to reach down just a little bit further and find Janu Smith. Last year, Janu Smith was the tight end 19 in fantasy leagues. He was ahead of some guys who you know, we knew in fantasy leagues. Jacob Hollister, Cameron Brait, uh, Eric Ebron, O.J. Howard. These were all guys who at one point or another were part of the fantasy discussion last year. Everyone from tight end 1 through 18 ahead of him, all those guys were part of the fantasy discussion too. Now here's really the catch, though, for Janu Smith. 44 targets last year. He was able to be tight end 19 on 44 targets. Here's just an, an uncomprehensive list of tight ends who had more targets than Ir- than a Johnny Smith last year. Irv Smith, you can see where I'm going with that. Irv Smith had more targets than Johnny Smith. His teammate Kyle Rudolph had more teammates or had more targets than Johnny. Darren Fells, Dawson Knox, Ebron, Vance McDonald, Jordan Akins, all these guys had more targets than Johnny Smith. And Johnny Smith was still the tight end 19 giving you 35 catches, 439 yards, and three touchdowns. This year, I think the reins are totally off him. I think he ends up being maybe the number two pass catcher in that offense behind A.J. Brown. We know A.J. Brown is going to be the big guy, and we're expecting a big breakout season from him this year, too, where maybe he asserts himself as a top 10 wide receiver in the league, both fantasy and real life. But behind that, I think Jonu Smith can be the next most dangerous pass catcher in this offense. Derrick Henry does what he does, and he does it very, very well, but he does not catch passes. They're not going to get a whole lot of work out of the backfield in the passing game. They're going to need more from someone other than A.J. Brown, and I think Jonu Smith is perfectly positioned to be that guy. And in three years in the league, while he hasn't made much of an impact, for most of that time, he was stuck playing in Delaney Walker's shadow, and for the first couple of years there, Delaney Walker was still playing very, very well for the Tennessee Titans. And number two, when Jonu Smith has had opportunities, We've seen that high-end athleticism, that pass-catching ability, that breakaway ability, rare speed at the tight end position. I think this is the year for Janu to put it all together. We have some more confidence in the Tennessee offense with what we saw from Ryan Tannehill a year ago. For me, Janu Smith can really be that guy who goes from tight end 16, 17, and 80p to tight end 3 in performance. I think he's the best bet to follow in the Kittle-Waller example. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, the fact that they don't have a clear-cut number two receiver, their lead back, Derrick Henry, doesn't catch a ton of passes. That bodes really well for Smith doing a lot more. And you can see it in the snaps week over week. In situations when Delaney Walker was healthy, Johnny Smith was more of a 30-40 to 40 snap guy. In situations without Delaney Walker, you could see Johnny Smith kind of push his way into the 50-plus snap range. So I think we're going to see more of the latter going forward from him. All right, so there you go. Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, TJ Hawkinson, and Janu Smith. 
players at the quarterback and tight end position that DVR and I will definitely be targeting as potential league winners. We think you should be doing the same. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And also, if you're not yet an athletic subscriber, you can get 40% off your first year subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. DVR and I will be back with you tomorrow talking running backs. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.